you know, uh, James, we've been in the energy industry for a few years. Let's just put it a few years. <laughs> okay, I still remember when the dinosaurs were around. <laughs> yeah, and okay, you know, now, now we're just utilizing exactly, the dinosaurs, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. in a sense. But uh, anyhow, you know, we, the energy industry is also changing. We yes. have the energy transition. Yep, and we do. Lot of stuff we have to care about the climate, which mm -hmm. is important. Yep, and uh, talks about decarbonization, etc. What do you think? I mean, the work we're doing with Roxol does it matter really? Well, <clears throat> I think it goes back to the discussion you and I had beforehand about this. The fact is, it does make a big difference. We have to produce energy, the business, the world is increasingly requiring energy for everything. Yeah. All of the other parts of the world are beginning to become more industrialized, there's more people to feed, there's more transportation required, and we have to look at how we get that energy for everyone in a way that they can utilize it and use it to grow their own economies, grow their own families, do what they want to do. Because people are going to want to do that. We can't assume that people are not going to want to be able to travel from, let's say, people in India and China are going to want yeah. to travel the same way that. Europeans have been doing for the last, well, Americans have been doing for the last 50 years. They're going to want to do the same thing. Now, whether it's sustainable or not, that's a separate discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. even though they're still going to have to have requirements for power, for energy, for, whether that's heating, lighting, internet, um, transportation, growing crops, etc., we're still going to need that. So the energy has to come from somewhere. Yeah. And we have to have a mixture of doing that because as we said beforehand that oil and gas has been the main source of all this industrial growth over the last hundred years or so yeah the days of having easy oil or oil that's cheap and easy to produce is gone we're now going looking at it okay there's still a lot of oil out there but it's gonna be harder to produce and that means increases the cost but not only increase the cost it's in areas which are harder to reach in more sensitive areas and therefore we need to look at how can we produce it in a way that doesn't influence the environment yeah how can we produce it in a way that is economic because no one wants to go back to days of 200 250 dollars a barrel okay it's not quite been there. It's 147 at the highest but if you get two 250 dollars a barrel for oil the cost for running heating lighting etc is going to become astronomical and it has to be passed on to everybody and again, that impacts the people in the lower half of the world who are struggling to get by at the moment. You simply dump a load of costs on them, they can't afford it. Um, so we need to look at that part. And obviously the planet itself is changing in the way in which it operates. We can, people will want to argue about climate change. Say it doesn't exist and man, it's not, man's not involved in it. That's entirely fine. You can have that argument if you want to, but the fact is the climate is changing. We're having water, fall, water drops in different areas of the world we're having drier areas in other parts of the world. So people in California are not going to be able to survive without water. Oh. So they have to get water to them. So again, that has to be transported. So this is a long ramble. <laughs> so please, otherwise, you got me a bit of a soapbox here. I'm going to have to stop on that part. So, and again, it's, just great thing, listening to you. it's yes. the same thing yeah. with food. You know, you're not yeah. going to grow it in Arab, arid areas. So therefore, the food distribution, food transportation is going to have to increase. So that has to come from somewhere, and you have to transport it somehow. Um, you can go back to seasonal vegetables, but if you've got no water during the summer months, nothing is going to grow. Yeah. 
No more veggies. No more veggies. No, whatever we're going to do. But you yeah. can't also have animals because animals also need feed. So therefore, you have to look at it. Okay, if you aren't going to have anything in your country you can eat, then it has to come from somewhere else. Yeah. If there was also issues about water transportation, and I think that's the biggest challenge the planet's going to have is that water is going to fall in areas where we don't currently want it. No. And um, I think yeah. bring it back to energy a bit. I mean, yeah. of course, like I think it's great what's happening. I mean, getting a improving the energy mix, renewables, yes, small-scale nuclear, whatever. But also then, of course, we have to think about, the, the, let's say, may, like the sun shines yes. on the wrong places. So exactly. how do we do energy storage, exactly. etc.? So that's, energy transportation. Yeah. And even if you want to build a solar farm somewhere, someone's got to get that power to it, to go, to go build it there, and then get the power from there back out again. So whatever mix you've got, ultimately, you need to have some sort of mixture, some sort of power to supply. And what we do in the... Okay, we're, we're, I know we're working off in different industries, but if you look at just the oil and gas industry, yeah. if we look solely at that, okay, it's going to continue on for years to come now, while we get through this transition phase and into other ones. It's still going to continue, because 50 or 52, I mean, over 52% of a barrel of oil is not used for energy. It's used for other products as well. Sure. And that's... That is key, of course. And let's clarify one thing. When we say that uh, oil and gas production will be there for many years to come, we mean, I mean, when you say that, James, also you're not talking about exploration and drilling. No, 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 it's no, no, more no. like the, let's say, operations of it. The operational, side of it. Yeah. the operational side of it is still going to be there. For certain things, we haven't got alternatives at the moment. I'm not saying we don't need to work on them and produce them because when man really puts his mind to it, we can do these things. Yeah. But there needs to be drivers for it, there needs to be reasons for it, and we need to have a, a grown-up conversation about where we're going with power. Yeah. Um, so yes, but in order to do that, and to stop influencing the environment, to stop discharging loads of, whether it's oily water, which okay, there's, there's rules and regulations regarding that, whether it's highly saline water, whether it's um, hot water, whatever you're doing to see, you're, you're discharging something into it. So you, therefore you need to look at the impact of that and reduce its impact, reduce oh, the yeah. volume you're doing. Now we have enough technology to be able to do that part quite economically in a reasonable way, but it also needs a bit of grown up thinking about how we design and structure these platforms and stuff going forward. But you can only design something and operate it if you understand how it works. Yeah. And the minute you don't <laughs> understand how it works, you are really in trouble. It's like if you look at a modern car today, okay, compare the car of 25 mm -hmm. years ago, anything went wrong with it you would be able to fix it yourself. These yeah. days, you can't. You it has can't. to go somewhere no. else to do no. that part, which is fine, which is great. But also your car will tell you what's wrong with it, which is ideal. It's the same thing with the oil and gas system now. You need to have data to tell you what's wrong with it so you can fix it. But you don't necessarily need somebody coming with a pair of spanners to go and do it. You need to be able to tell the guy with a pair of spanners what to go and fix. Yeah. So therefore, you need to have information. But, but hang on a bit, because yep. now you say, okay, we. Yeah, get more data or use mm -hmm. data. There's so many AI companies, and you yes. know, doing this. So I mean, yeah. What what are we after? What are we looking for in terms of data then? Right. In well, your opinion, yeah. that that that's a very good question because obviously you can collect a whole variety of data. There is a whole stuff that you can sit there. If you go on the internet, there are billions and millions of pages of information. How much of that is actually relevant and useful is a different question entirely. And the bit to look at in the process is. What are the key parameters you should be monitoring to make that process work as efficiently as possible? And the minute you get efficiency into it, then you start to reduce wastage. 
and that's where it comes into. So you don't know with gas being burnt off as a flare because your process can't control surges because you don't know they're coming or your system is not geared up for them because it was never designed to handle those. Or you can't get it where the point is that you've got surges of water and oil coming through and end up with problems with oil and water treatments. So therefore you'd have to additional plant built, more chemical treatment in order to fake it fixed, more equipment to get it fixed. If you understand where the, the bottlenecks are, but you understand how that data comes in and what you do, that then allows you to predict what's going on and what's likely to happen over a period of time and your model, because the problem is it's all connected. If you go back to the whole thing about the reservoir, if you, there's yeah. been a lot of money spent on reservoir simulation models. Mm -hmm. Either the stars, the eclipse, the light models, whatever one you want to go with. They do that part, so they try and predict what happens. And they're getting better at it, but obviously it's the same thing. The minute you drill a hole in something and you start to produce, basically your model starts to go out of the window. But we spend a lot of money in reservoir engineers and that because it is the economic heart of the entire operation. They have to know what they're going to get. The downstream side of it, or once it is produced, downwards has always been sort of semi-neglected mm. in that respect. It's been a poor child, yeah. it's been left alone because we can basically handle it. It just needs more space, needs more heat, needs more chemicals, needs more time. That's basically what it is. If you look at the, the basic philosophy behind separation, it's gravity. Sure. And you know, you, you spent a considerable amount of time on, on separation on, and separation Absolutely. facilities. Yep. So have and, and now we get into the core of it. I mean, so what's the difference? I mean, because operators they've been used used to this over many decades. Absolutely. So, is there are there any efficiency efficiency gains or increasing operational efficiency as such? Yeah. Well, the, the, there's obviously there's, there's two there's two or three parts to that one. The first one obviously is in the initial stage of the oil and gas thing. It was easy to go and drill some manure wells because you could tap in because there was oil. It was just everywhere. it was yeah. there. Yeah, you know, if you go to certain areas of the world, people would suggest if you have a spade, you dig a hole and oil will come up. Um, but those days are gone. So you've got your current field, you've got there, and you do that part. If you want to go and drill small wells, it's harder and more difficult and more expensive. Has more impact if you want to do it. So therefore, you want to get as much maximized out of the ground as possible. So you've got your reservoir bottle for that. But once that fluid is being produced, you want it to go into that facility. You spent all that money and time and effort building. But there'll be other small pockets around there. So you don't want to build a platform. I mean, historically, if you look at various areas, you'll see there are wells all over the place. All you have to do is go to the Permian region, go to a Google Maps <laughs> of the Permian region, and you will see a nodding donkey pump or mm -hmm. beam engine pump every little uh, square yard. It's scary to see the amount of stuff that's been put in there because of the way their fields are structured. If you can do that now, and you could have one there that's mm -hmm. here, and it could produce the fluids and handle the fluids from all these other ones and do that, it's fine. But all those fluids are going to be different. Yeah. They're all going to have their own challenges. It could be solids, it could be gas, it could be foam, it could be emulsions, it could be asphaltines, waxes, whatever you're going to do. And when you start mixing those fluids together, you can't separate them. Or you, you can separate them, but again, it goes back to the challenge of how you're going to separate them. So, so if you understand how they're interacting, you understand how they're separating, you can then get that efficiency out of it. So the thing about the efficiency side is, comes from what we do, is to look at how those fluids interact, what they do inside the process you've currently got, and how to make that process work as well as you possibly can. And also kind of future-proof it. Yeah. Because you're gonna, if you've built a rig, you're not gonna decommission it because you've run out of oil in that area. You wanna go, okay, there's something else I can tie back to it. 
this was the idea of seabeds you know, when they started the subsea separation was to try and do this part to get remove the, the bottlenecks or remove the workload for the top size platform if you can then go to let's have a platform here or fpso which can move away later on and we can tie all this other stuff into it it's great because also the impact of that building the one vessel that can service a variety of fields is a lot better than building a whole variety of smaller ones or different ones and that's it but then we're not losing the stuff we're producing because you produce oil but if you've got oil going out with your water because it's going overboard okay even if it's inside specification pollution. it's mm -hmm. pollution but economically it makes no sense whatsoever yeah, yeah sure but it, it's also like you say that okay the production environment today mm -hmm. is very complex like you said that as well uh easy oil is we could deal with it on on the oh, facilities yeah. But today, like you say, all that goo and stuff uh -huh. coming up, we should be very efficient with it, how, yes. we, how we handle it in, in terms of treatment. Do we want to have excess heat, which is maybe diesel powered or whatever? <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. And, and uh, chemicals, how much chemicals do we want to spend exactly. on this? Yeah. But, yeah, so but it gets, gets back to the data actually point, because if you're efficient, yes. you can also decarbonize. You can decarbonize. I mean, there's a simple example there of a chemical treatment. You add a chemical in order to aid the process separating. Okay. You will have a treatment performance profile for that chemical for the oil. Yeah. It could be from 10 parts per million to 15 parts per million. It's somewhere in there, it works well. You're basically going to take some readings to do that. But if you can get real-time data, what's happening there, you can see it. Then you can optimize that. Once you can optimize that, you can then start max or Minimizing your usage and yeah. maximizing your return on your chemical. The minute you stop shipping chemical offshore, that's also something which has to be delivered to the platform. Sure. It has to be manufactured, has to be shipped there to a port or a harbor, has to be on a boat from there to there, has to go somewhere else. So again, if you actually look at the total carbon footprint of a barrel of chemical, it's actually quite it's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, it could even be bigger than the actual chemical itself. Yeah, in that it's space. crazy. But yeah. also the cost efficiency people be able to do that and particularly big fields that use a lot of chemical treatment if you can stop maybe one container ship yeah. a month a year yeah yeah, yeah. of course that's a huge not just in financial saving but just a huge saving yeah um, and that's what we need to be start looking at because again these products are creative or generated by something else so the chemicals that are used typically are generated from the products that they're producing from so again the oil produces the chemicals that treats the oil that produces the chemical so it goes around. It goes around. Right. <laughs> so you're actually <laughs> using up a resource which you're trying to yeah. maximize to do that part and it adds things. So we need to get that part. And if you then start even looking at, as I said, we, we talk about gas. Yeah. Gas is a big utilization now. A few years ago, gas had no value. You know, big fields, big yeah. fields in the Middle East were basically just burning the gas. Yeah. You flew over Libya from satellite imaging, you could see the, the ground flares. Yeah burning away quite happily, yeah. sooty, horrible black smoke. Suddenly people realize, hang on a minute, we can use gas. Mm -hmm. We shipped over a lot of power stations to gas, we shipped a whole lot of other stuff to gas, and suddenly people went, gas is valuable, let's not burn it. But we still get rid of a lot of it because we don't understand how to compress it, we don't understand how to treat it, we don't understand how to look after it and do things with it. So there needs to get that data, but also you then, a lot of gas is burnt off because the process doesn't run efficiently. There's the inefficiencies again. Exactly. So therefore, you go back to the point, if you can't run your separation process on a nice, even behavior, or deal with the undulations and the process changes, 
then you're going to vent. You're going to have to release the stuff somewhere. Also, the capacity issues. And this goes back to the other thing about what we do, regardless of the production side, is you've actually got good data on how the process works. You can design a process that's going to work. Mm-hmm. How much redundancy do we have on facilities for stuff that really isn't adding much benefit? And there have been loads of um, projects in the past looking at trying to reduce cost, efficiency, uh, inefficiencies, excess equipment, etc. Yeah. Um, five minutes, can we come? Yeah, yeah, yeah all right. sure. Okay. Yeah. Just, uh, Should we come over to the other side or? Uh, no. Okay. You call. Uh, five minutes, we're ready. Fabio, thank you. Yeah. We've got That's going to happen. That's fine. Yeah. But we, we go through these, these um, plans. You know, Crying was a great, I don't know if you want to include this, but Crying was a great example. We, we introduced this project, which is Cost Reduction Initiative. We're basically trying to standardize design of equipment. Yeah. Okay. Originally, Crying started out to look at the contracting strategy. Because, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> my efficiencies we have here and how well we're trying to design this. There also needs to be a joined up, grown up approach between the oil company, the uh, the people doing the design, the supply companies. Oh, yeah. There needs to be more of a partnership type arrangement there as opposed to the way in which it currently works. Whatever people think it works, I don't, I don't personally agree with that from my experience. Well, I fully agree there, James, because you know, collaboration, it's it's the core of it because yeah. and in a way let's say very and not just a loose collaboration it needs to be partnerships it be partnerships if yeah. it's not it's not partnership then there's no in, there's no incentive for innovative companies to innovate and develop products to be put into the into the industry if someone's going to say well okay i can see that might help us a little bit but we're not going to bother with it or we're going to leave it and wait yeah then you've got a problem you know and this problem is with the oil and gas part of the industry is that there was a work study done in 2000 and, oh, was it 2012, 2013, by a company called ITF in Aberdeen, Industry okay. Technology Forum, facilitator. Okay. I think it was yeah. okay. when, when I used to be involved with them as well. Yeah. They, looked, they did a survey of how long it took um, innovation in the upstream oil and gas market to make it from concept to adoption. It was 29 years. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, 29 right, now, years. Now, yeah. Okay. Years. If you go downhole for a downhole tool for drilling, it was about two years. And that tells you a little bit about the way in which people viewed the top side part versus the what they saw as the revenue side, which was the, the reservoir. Yeah. And that's where the problem is because they believed that the top sides, because of big infrastructures, could handle everything. Yeah. But they can't handle they, everything. And today the production environment is so different it's and I think so, so what we're doing, we have to change mindsets, the workflows. And that's, that's the difference. It. it has to be the understanding. The fact is that you can get good quality data of how your process is operating that you can utilize to make the process work better. Historically we've used pretty basic methodology for a lot of this stuff. I mean, if somebody's got a sight glass on the side of their separator and they're using that to control the levels, then that's, or to look at where the levels are, that's quite worrying, given the fact that, you know, it can be blocked, it can be clogged, it doesn't show representation, it doesn't show changes, it doesn't show anything at all. So 
That's a very, very simplistic thing. Yeah, yeah, but I think all these were designed when everything, when you had the easy oil, for instance. Yeah, the easy oil. Yeah. But also the fact is that we weren't, there, there was, I don't know, but there wasn't so much concern <laughs> about wastage. Yeah. And this is where something that you know, people have woken up to the fact is that this stuff, because it is not as easy to produce, we can't afford to waste it. No. But James, I think, you know, I've, I've been working with, uh, let's say, on the manufacturing side, mm -hmm. and Industry 4.0. Yep. And then you have people or young kids, and I think, and even grown-ups, adults saying that, oh, but industry, it's filthy, it's grease and oil everywhere, yeah. it's so untidy, and I think it's the view of many people. They think that, oh, industry or oil, I guess, whatever, it's like 100 years ago or 50 years ago. It's changed dramatically. It has changed dramatically. Yeah. And we can do so much more also. I mean, that's, yeah, what, I that's what I think. Yeah. But if you look back, if you look at, I mean, if you look at any film at all, okay, about the oil and gas industry or involved any aspect of the oil and gas industry, typically they show guys on a drill floor covered in oil, yeah. running pipe with chains. And yes, that is still part of the business and it is still a very, very dangerous and very horrible and dirty part of the industry. But that's not reflection of the entire oil and gas industry. No, 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 absolutely not. If somebody goes yeah. look at a refinery and how refinery works, and it's like clean, it is really clean because they have to be so clean because any contamination causes them huge problems with right. off-spec product, product, product that they can't sell, product that is now expensive, things like that. So, I think there is a perception in the marketplace, and obviously because of some of the issues we've had in terms of the Exxon Valdez, we've had deep water, we've had all these other things where people see it as yeah. a horrible, nasty industry. I mean, I didn't come into this industry. I started out in doing environmental sciences, and I came into the oil and gas industry. Yeah. So, and I still have the back of my mind. People go, how do you still put the two together? And the answer is, well, I still can do, because I believe we can produce this stuff because we need it in a way that is not going to damage everything else. And yeah, for me, it's been like a, a crusade. Okay. You've got me going, it's a bit of a crusade. In fact, is that I believe we can make these plants yeah. run so much better and so much more efficiently um, that it's not complicated, but we just need to have a connection between the, the people that own the fields or design the reservoirs, or not design the reservoirs, but look at the reservoir and say, right, we're going to produce them there, to the EPC contractors, to the suppliers, to the operating companies, to the companies that are going to come along after and help them run later on in life. Because this, typically, if this is built for, you know, 20-year field life. Sure. If you look at most yeah. industry applications now, particularly in the North Sea and the Gulf of Mexico, they're well beyond, they're well beyond their operational date and they're continuing to run. And we can continue to run them as long as there is source, you know, material for them to be actually processing. But there are ways of doing that, and that's it, where it comes into it. So there's two things about it. One is the data, if you get it from day one, and you incorporate it into your planning, from day one, you'll get a far better operated field. If you've got a field that's now running on day 10,000, then now's the time you should be getting even better data. You should have had all that stuff which will help you, but if you haven't had it, start collecting it now because it will continue on for longer. Another 10,000 days. Another 10,000 days. I don't yeah. know, but the yeah. fact is, if you've got to give it a chance, and that may stop your decommissioning, it may look at the fact is we can keep this running longer. So therefore, you're not producing another seven, 800 tons of steel for another one. Can't you leave a deck because you need to do it? And that's the difference. And the, and the, and the data that we produce basically helps provide part of that jigsaw 
to make sure what's going on inside because at the key heart of any process there is how you separate out the oil the water the gas yeah. how you break the emulsions if you don't do that you haven't got a product yeah sure and but think about it i mean you want to uh, i mean like myself you got passion for this and, and, and we want to do something for the greater good and at the same time i mean if you think about our customers and oh, yeah. working mm -hmm. with operators without naming them now but they are the major ones i mean isn't that the way also to kind of have a stimulating uh, work day and, and work with them and, and see how we can change absolutely the i mean the here. fact is that there is a there is there's always opportunities i think to to improve that and you're going to find those companies who are willing to adapt and willing to accept new technologies and go yeah, we're going to do this we can all name the companies that are innovative and go, yep, yeah. they'll spend money on R&D, they'll spend money on this, and they'll want to try it out. The companies will go, I'll wait, I'll wait. But sure. it is a really interesting thing because typically what we end up with and where we sit is it's troubleshooting. It, yeah. It's fault finding. It's a root cause analysis. We sit there and we look at, okay, here's what you've got. Here's where you want to go. How do we help you get there? And that is the interesting part. Um, and that, I think, is what you know, gets me out of bed in the morning, the fact is that no two days are going to be the same. Yeah. You know, um, and there's always a challenge. There's always questions about why you're doing it. There'll be costs about, questions about you know, the, the information you got from the client, there's the information about you can provide, costs associated with it, how you're going to integrate it. There's all kinds of things that go into this to make sure it works. And then once you've got the data, and the biggest thing, clients go to me, okay, well, I've got the data. What do I do with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we, we collect, you know, of course, we we collect data from, let's say, unique sources Absolutely. that we have. And, and of course, like uh, now we're recruiting also for, let's say, more more on uh, data scientists, mm -hmm. software developers, yep. etc. Because it's kind of to make that use of it. But of course, I think bringing then maybe young talents on board, but also having this expertise and knowledge that what are we actually looking and at? And that is a good thing about having younger people come in to do it. In the fact is that they're going to question some of the stuff you've done previously. And rather than doing the, well, that's how we've always done it. We need to seriously yeah. look at that part and go, okay, is there a better, faster way of doing this? And it goes back to the question you said to me about collecting data. Yes, you can collect data. But you've got to collect relevant data. Mm -hmm. And once you've got it, you've got to know what the heck to do with it. What does it tell you? And that's the thing. I mean, the oil and gas industry, I mean, we you know, we've all been in it. We've been through several troughs and peaks over the last few years, and they're getting closer together um, for a variety of different reasons. But we'll come into that on a separate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. As it's a separate. As a separate. One. Not today. <laughs> today. Otherwise, we'll be here forever. Yeah. Um, and you know, the planet will have stopped by the time I'm finished. Um, but there is that point. There is expertise who leave the business because of the way people will build up years of experience. They put up pension, etc. There'll also be expensive people inside the companies. And when it comes to an economic downturn in the oil price, etc., companies look to cut costs. And all companies go, oh, no, we don't do that. We look at you know, relevance and we have a criteria and that sort of thing. Oh. At the end of the day, they're probably going to, a lot of the more experienced people are going to leave. They're either going to go somewhere else and maybe come back as a consultant, or they're going to come out and they're going to go off and do something else, go out fishing or buy a caravan and block, block up the road and whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lot, lot of things so, oh you, you were thinking about more about the recreational side okay. I'm yeah. just thinking about the fact they go around and drive around the country yeah. like, just generally annoy me when they're out in their caravans but that's a separate, separate one separate, separate episode <laughs> separate, separate. <laughs> 
But um, then you have the chance, you've got two chances there. One is that if you have the data already in there, the people coming in can pick up from where the other guy left. There isn't a black hole of information that's not there. Or they've got relevant sources to collect the information from is there. If they haven't got anything, they're basically left with a blank bit of paper to start with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With some drawings on it. But if they, actually turn, if they actually start with something which is laid out and they understand how they're going to get it, yeah. it makes life so much simpler for them. Sure. And that is really where you're doing it. I think yeah. also because governments, people outside of our industry also change, society is changing, all variety of different things. We also need to adapt to that part as well. So there are things we need to do. I mean, as I say, you know, everyone complained that when they brought in the OSPAR regulations for the North mm -hmm. Sea, that it would kill off a number of platforms because suddenly you had to reach this threshold of 40 parts per million oil and water for overbar discharge. They didn't. Yeah. They went, okay, we now need to do 30 parts per million. It didn't. Yeah. The fact is we can adapt and do it, but we just need to have the correct framework. But it needs to be a framework whereby we go, this is where we're going. We make a roadmap to get to it. But the you know, unfortunately, get that roadmap is you still need to have information and data. Oh, yeah. That information and data, a, a, you know, a piece of paper with a line on it doesn't really help you if it hasn't got any road numbers on no, it. No, no. Hasn't got any distance. No, on it. Exactly. <laughs> of course, getting that data, of critical, of course, what you get from true operations. But mm -hmm. like today, we spent on a testing facility, yes. slow loop. Yes, absolutely. So of course, that's also an important step in, in uh, let's say, the innovation work and actually see. Well, what you sketched on the paper, absolutely. does it work? Absolutely, yeah. because you can't, if you're going to introduce something which has not been tested, not been tried, things like that, no one's going to do that because it can be such a crucial part to a process. And it is, what we do is still hazardous. Oh, very, very everyone hazardous. should know that. And of course, okay. yeah. it is a, you know, and it has become a lot, lot safer, but we have had some tremendous accidents. We need to uh, go back to, if you go back to Piper Alpha, Mm. Oh, yeah. all those years ago Absolutely. and yeah. the column Terrible. report that came out of that and the changes that went into the oil and gas industry mm. at that point fundamental yeah. and we changed from that and we also had the deep water horizon one where we looked at issues associated with subsurface safety valves how actually they do well completions and stuff like that came out of that one as well we've had other ones as well like the Andrew Lambda Keeland where the FB the, the floater turned over there's been a number of things that happened and we have progressed on and done that part. So there's a lot of things that we can do and learn as an industry as we move us forward. But we do have to realize that if we want to introduce new technology, it has to be proven, it has to work. It has to reach a certain technology readiness level to get it out there and into that. And the only way of doing that, apart from doing it as pilot trials on fields, is to take it to independent facilities, first of all, mm -hmm. and run it in there. Or even if it's done in-house inside companies and they develop it themselves, but then you go, okay, right, well, let's look at the verification. What do we do? And I know we went back to the fact it takes 29 years for... I'm not suggesting <laughs> that it's going to take you 29 years from somebody comes yeah. up with an idea till you finish that part. We can do it in a lot faster time. But then, of course, you look at the TRL level, you look at the criticality of that component inside the, the overall system. And how does that overall system control and maintain what it's doing? You know, yeah. That's the thing. You don't. You know, there's been lots of examples whereby somebody might have changed a cheap gasket or a cheap um, 
Should we say, yeah, small gasket on the side of a solid fuel rocket booster because they thought it saved some pennies. It's not a really good idea, so let's not do that. Uh, but yeah. again, yeah. <laughs> we need to have a proper risk assessment problem. But again, you need to understand how the process is working. But again, that's going back to the whole joint up argument from day one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you understand how what you're trying to achieve and what the long-term goal is, then you can work with companies who are going to develop stuff and work with you to set up the systems to give you the data you want. And that's where people coming into the industry are like, yeah, we should do this. Because it doesn't matter. You say about the oil and gas industry, yeah. I mean, no matter what energy system we're going to be working in in the future, we're going to have exactly the same sort of stuff here. Whether it's hydrogen fuel, whether it's nuclear fuel, whether it's electricity is slightly different because it's transportation. But, but again, even wind farms, we still get the issues about wind turbines. There's still processes there that need to be worked on and done stuff. So the no, process yeah, we do is. here, we still work on, we still need to do. But I think in our industry, um, talking purely in the oil and gas industry obviously because I know we're yeah. different ones but there is a lot that we can still do to improve it at the moment I'm going to be quite brutal about it we started out producing oil with in barrels the reason why it's in barrels is literally oil used to be put into wooden barrels and they used to heat them up with steam to separate it sure we haven't progressed that <laughs> much <laughs> not, not, <laughs> we haven't that, that maybe it at least but okay no, no, yeah. no, that's not maybe. true we, we have yeah. improved it a little bit yes we, we can do high pressure stuff but I mean but again when you had a barrel you had a guy with running it off working out where the interface was we still see that today yeah. I still see that on customers I'm talking to they're running around draining major big storage tanks through a clear plastic hose with a guy watching it and when he starts to see something it doesn't allow water coming out of it yeah. he switches it off but we can surely we have I know. we have technologies exactly. tools to to modernize that. I kind of hear that you're at least not frustrated and giving up or anything. Oh, no, like, no, not in the slightest. No, I mean the fact is that when you yeah. say that part, we can do it. But again, that's a grown approach because the fact is the tank farm operator who does that at the moment is not integrated into the rest of the chain ah. or is not part of the chain. Um, and once he sees that part, then he'll see that okay, the benefit of that part. And he goes. Hmm. But he also does that because he's not seen anything else in his area that works as well. Because yes, there's been a lot of technology being developed. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of it, it's not bad technology. No. It's badly applied technology. Yeah. yeah. That, that, and that is a key, we're back to the, the collaborative model, etc. But right? I think... But also, the, yeah. But also the, yeah. Yeah, the, the collaborative model, but also looking at what it is that you actually need to produce. What data do you need? to make you do that part. So he says, why should we need this piece of data here, do that part, single out that data and use it in the way that it should be used. Not just as, um, oh, that's okay, it looks like right, there's some green lights here. But why is it green? What else can we do? Um, and if we want to reduce the emissions, etc., then the way to do that is to try and make the plants we've got currently work as efficiently as possible, squeeze as much as we can through them and make them reusable. You can only do that when you don't build up biggest issues. Solids. I think it's solids. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, another one well, we're going to do another episode on solids, <laughs> solids I think. Solids. But, but if you look at it, I mean, anything you've got which is producing a solid material which is going to build up inside a pipeline or build up inside a vessel is a waste product. But the minute it starts to build up, you've then got a problem because it's taking away available space. Exactly. And so you can't just look at that as a waste. It's actually uh, bad for the whole process. It's bad for the whole process. Yeah. I mean, if your car, if you were driving around in your car and you were building up sludge in your, you know, your fuel tank all the time, 
at some point you're going to be out on your holiday with your kids, driving around, and it's going to break down, and yeah. they're not going to be happy. Buy a new car or whatever. Rest, exactly. Rest, yeah. So and you're right. So yeah. you don't do it. So why would you do it in a process that's there? You say, okay, well I've got a method for removing it, but if you don't record how it's happening, you don't know where it's coming in from. You don't know how quickly it's building up. You don't even know if it's actually staying in that vessel. It's not moving somewhere else. No. So, kind of trying to wrap this up. So I think, I think we could, <laughs> you're no, but uh, sure, sure. We, 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 I think it's it's good to we can continue another time. Oh yeah. Of course, but so we have plenty of work to do. We need to oh. collaborate. We need to bring the let's say the expertise together with young talents, data scientists, Absolutely. AI, Absolutely. Uh, machine learning here, and. There's so many opportunities in existing production that we can improve. And Absolutely. we need to change the workflow and work with those operators and the whole uh, value chain exactly. to get there. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's, that's I think, the, there's, there's been a, a variety of different models used for how operating companies integrate and run the business. Um, and I don't think we've settled on one which will be the best one, um, which is the they're fully integrating and doing it all themselves to outsourcing bits of it to outsourcing a lot of it. Yeah. Um, but again, at the end of the day, we need to look at it. It's an overall investment for everybody to be involved in that. And then they need to look at companies that they want to work with and bring them into the fold in a way that they, they can do that part. And that's yeah. it. I and mean, I think it, it's, but there's lots of other innovations we can still do. I and mean, I still have a belief that there are lots of other things we can do in order to improve the process. And once we understand how Absolutely. the process is working, we can look at, okay, from other industries, what other technology do they use? Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that part. the tech transfer, oh. absolutely valid, valid. And I think also when we now bring, let's say, like ourselves, new data mm -hmm. onto the table, I mean, of course, there's opportunities to actually understand how you can uh, improve or bring new technologies, also hardware, absolutely. into the play. Because many simulators don't mm -hmm. utilize Let's say they don't have data on emulsions, etc., no, or no, solids. No, no. So, I think there's plenty of work we we, we oh, can do. I mean, so this is, I mean, as I say, it's it's not as if it's an industry that's going to die in the next 10, 20 years. You know, I would see us still. We will still. I'm, I'm sure Greta Thunberg is probably going to turn horrible colours at the moment. Says, but we'll still reducing the oil in the next hundred years from now. I don't Here see now. that part. I don't no, see it being no. away no. um, because I can't see us getting. Coal is still around, and it it yeah. was actually part. I, I would say, in another previous decarbonization phase, when yes. we were burning our forests, yes. and we went turned over to coal and, yes. and to make exactly and more more efficient. And then we went from the coal so, to diesel, yeah. from diesel yeah. to gas, yeah. and now we need to do something different. So there will be a mixture, but the demand is going to continue to increase. Yeah, you know whether or not we continue the popul the population continues to increase at the same rate. I don't know, but. The, the requirement for people to want to be able to do things, which is, you know, to go back to the whole climate change thing, is to be able to get water, to be able to get food, to be able to get stuff to where they live, and also to maintain the, the society and the way they want to live their lives, then we still need to have power. And the fact is we need people who are going to come into this industry to make it work, um, and make it work more, more efficiently, because we need it. Yeah. So on that take, yes, James. I, th I think whatever you say, I, I think still you see this as an, an uh, optimist for the future oh, and I mean, in, in yeah. that sense. I mean, when I, yeah. I first came into this in 1989, when I first joined the oil and gas industry, um, the people I was working with said, "Why are you going to that? It won't survive. You out. It'll be finished by the 2000s." 
Um, studio. Studio. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still pushing forward. And the industry, I mean, I know I'm being very critical now. I'm allowed to be critical because I've seen all the projects. <laughs> I'm like, I've worked all over the place. I've worked on some really, really good projects. I've worked on some real disasters. I'm not saying yeah. disasters are mine, but I'll, I might have to put mm. my hand up for some of them. Um, and I think there are still things we can learn, still things we can do, and it's still a valuable industry. And I think it's still satisfying. You know, it gets me out of bed in the morning. That's what no. I say after that. You know, that's good. That's good. You know? Yeah. If it didn't, then I wouldn't be doing it. No, no, no. Sure. So that's good that we we promise these other guys five minutes. We should have another meeting. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, so, guys. That, that's uh, that's great. Let's it's see. It's a summation of over thirty odd years of doing this all around the world, and it's just been yeah. it's been you know I mean. So let's continue to do that, and I think it's uh, we have a great mission, and, and uh, I think so. A lot of work to do. I, I, I enjoy this every day too. Okay. Definitely. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Thank you for your time, James. No problems at all. Absolutely any time. we get on my soapbox, I'm happy to talk about all kinds of stuff. <laughs>